Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. And greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, the French Catholic Cafe. Fratan, we're still here on pilgrimage in Lourdes, yes. France. Now I'm taking a coffee break. We've had a great lunch and uh, we're wrapping up pretty soon. It we'll seems be on like our there's way home. lots of coffee breaks here. Yes. Although it's not coffee, it's cafe latte and cappuccino and espresso. cafe au lait and yes. espresso, all the good things. And Deacon Jeff, I brought a friend, a father. Dave Karen. Father Dave is the uh, president of Aquinas Institute of Theology uh, in St. Louis, Missouri. It sounds like an important, important position there as a president. Well, it, it's, it's an important position, but, uh, you know, president doesn't mean all that much when you're a small school, but it's a great school. But you got you have this entourage of people around you, and there's people constantly snapping pictures and whatnot. I think you've got the wrong president. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. There's no secret service. No secret no one service. whispering into uh, cufflinks and whatnot Nothing. going on with you. Well, we are so pleased and happy to have you uh, here to join us. Uh, and one of the things we're going to, I think we will be a great topic to talk about and something you've just recently done here in Lourdes, France. I mean, obviously, when we come on pilgrimage with the Order of Malta, now you're with the American Association, you're chaplain for the American Association. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we come on pilgrimage with our malads, our, our, our beloved malads, those who are ill, those who are in need of healing. And one of the things that we do is we, we take them to the stations of the cross. Right. And how interesting it is that people who are already suffering and yet we go and we we sort of march them through walk through in the footsteps of christ you know his suffering tell us about that experience here in lures with the with the malaz sure we just got back from uh, making the way of the cross which really is a scriptural based devotion following jesus in his last couple of days and couple of hours of his life on his way to the cross on good friday and even beyond and um, what we do is we focus not only on the suffering of Jesus, but we, we ask the sick who are with us to somehow place their sickness next to and their suffering next to the suffering Jesus. So we, we connect both stories. We call that narrative theology and, and theological conversation, that the Lord is with us not only when we're well, but also when we're sick, when we're not doing so well. Even he journeys with us until death. And um, in theological language, we call that Paschal Mystery Living, Ah. where it's both Good Friday, and Good Friday hunts us down, if we're honest about it. That's right. In a lot of different ways. But also, Easter is always waiting for us. And Easter shows up in different ways, in different places, not only on Easter Sunday, but in our lives. There's always Easter. So with this group that went on the way of the cross today, and we focused on on Jesus' suffering, in our reflection upon it, we asked them to connect it to their own narrative. Where do you find the suffering Jesus in your life? And then also, where do you find the resurrected Christ? And as you leave here, how can you be a person that doesn't get stuck on Good Friday? Right. But can find Easter happening all the time. Yeah, Good Friday leads to Easter Sunday. Yeah, some people, they'll get stuck there. Right. Some people, the the suffering, and it's easy to happen, you know, when when you're focused on your medication, your protocols, your doctors, your appointments, it's easy to get stuck there wondering if you're ever going to get out of it. And um, and so when people come here to Lourdes, they come, some most looking for a cure, 
but all looking for a healing. Right. And the Stations of the Cross are one way that healing can naturally happen. Maybe they go home and they still have their illness, but maybe they view life differently. Right. You know, maybe they view a relationship differently. Maybe um, they turn their anger over to God. Maybe, um, and maybe, maybe they're a little bit more open to what's coming their way because they've prayed this devotion, a very old devotion in the church. A lot of people think we just pray it during Lent. Right, the, that's, a, that's most people's common experience with the Stations of the Cross. Right, it's a, usually a scriptural uh, way of, of praying during Lent, often on Fridays, parishes and, and campus ministries and other settings have it on Fridays. But really, we could pray the Stations of the Cross anytime. Here, we're lucky because they're outside. There's some beautiful carvings. There's some beautiful statues. There's more than one way of praying the station. There's the one that's so beautiful that's, that basically it climbs up the, the mountain. Absolutely. You know? And if you're, if you're able to, to walk up this mountain, uh, it's so beautiful. In fact, you can look up into the, the trees and you can see the crucifix sticking out of the top and how beautiful that is to know that as you, as you trek up, then ultimately you're going to get to this cross up here, the crucifixion that leads to our salvation. And you see that hope jutting up out of the trees and how beautiful that is. Absolutely. You know, and the resurrection is about the fact that anything is possible. So we always have to be about hope. And that's what I'm hoping they leave with, that the mm-hmm. fact that, yes, they have their illness. Yes, they're coming back down the mountain like Peter, James, and John did with Jesus in the Transfiguration. You know, at the end of a good vacation, we say, let's not go home. Right. But Jesus says to them, we got to go down the mountain. That's right. And so we all have to go home to the United States. We go back to doctors and nurses and whatever else you need to do. But you come back different. You're transformed. You know, you're transfigured in a way. How beautiful. Yeah, Peter, Peter wanted to build booths. And let's stay here. Let's, let's stay. camp out. Then let's stay well, here. We even find the same thing is true with us as workers, as people right. who are either attending to the needs of the sick, pulling or pushing or ministering to them in any form, including our doctors who are here. They're not treating them, but they're just attending to their needs. Um, we go through some transformation and some great reward, and I hate to leave here myself. Right, right. As I said to the group today, you know, I said, Lourdes is sort of a little microcosm of what heaven's like. You know, we come here, one person said, isn't it great that you come here and you hear no cursing on the streets? Yeah. And one lady said in the group, she said, it's like going to a G-rated movie for a week. That's right. You know? And it's, it's something wonderful. absolutely true, isn't but, it? But what Lords does, and, and also the, the devotion, Stations of the Cross, it really allows us... Um, you know, to kind of step outside the frame of the picture. You can't see the whole picture when you're standing inside the frame. So it allows us to step outside the frame and look at things that really matter. Look at spiritual things. Look at religious things. Look at our own faith journey. Look at both where we fall short, but also where we also make the mark. You know, and look at the dignity of the human person. Amen. You know, and that's sometimes we forget about that. Um, we, we, some people come and focus on God, which is very important. But somehow we forget we're the icon of God. Right. And we're the image and likeness of God. And so when we come here to Lourdes, we see, you know, for me, I, I think of the wedding vows. You know, because here mm. you see people pushing, you know, wheelchairs and you think for better, or for worse and sickness and health. You see it all before you. And you say, you have to remain faithful. God remains faithful to us. We've got to remain faithful to each other. And that's the good thing about the church. The church invites us through the sacraments and through the scriptures, especially through the scripture and the teachings of the church. How do we remain faithful? 
And we don't always walk the walk. We talk it a lot. Right. But we don't always walk the walk. Well, obviously, in the Stations of the Cross, we get an opportunity to walk the walk, don't we? Absolutely. Literally, we walk the walk. Absolutely. You know, a lot of people don't realize that even in our week, you know, our Sunday obligation, every time the obligation of going to Mass, well, really, it's an opportunity to experience a resurrection every single week. And every Friday, really, it's kind of the church sees this as a penitential day, a day to remember that it's... It's a, it, it's a good way, for 52 times a year, to have a Good Friday, right. to continue that process, to, to remind us, just like we have birthdays mm. to remind us that we're one year more or whatever, and we have anniversaries and we re- remembrances throughout our lives. And so the Stations of the Cross is a great way to sort of realize that, to renew that sort of commitment to, to walk the walk of Jesus, but to see Christ in ourselves and to see Christ in others. And, and to realize that it didn't always go his way, huh? Good Friday was not a day of triumph in one sense for Jesus. It becomes a day of triumph because the cross, which is really, really a vehicle of, of execution, is really kind of turned upside down theologically. And as a, the cross becomes the tree of life right. in the resurrection. That's what it says in the, in the wow. book of the, actually the Apostles, That's right? It's really the, interesting. Yes. Down yes. from the tree. Absolutely. Yes. And we're grafted onto the tree in baptism. You know, so we're yes. made one with Christ in baptism. And so really, the Christian journey, the two bookends, really, of the Christian life is both baptism and, the, and for us, the funeral liturgy, we basically do the same thing in both liturgies. At baptism, you're greeted at the door. When the body is brought into the church at the funeral, you're greeted at the door. Your water is poured mm-hmm. in baptism. Water is sprinkled on the body in the funeral. So really, the Christian life has bookends. But the goal is, and this is one of the goals of the Stations of the Cross, how do we realize that there was suffering in the life of Jesus? And there's going to be suffering in our life too, but it doesn't end there, you know? Right. And, and there can be transformative suffering, you know, redemptive right. suffering, we call it. And, and how, do we, how do we look for that, you know? And my goal is to help people to realize, you know, that everybody's a theologian in some respects. Some of us have academic degrees. But how do you find mm-hmm. the Lord at the washing machine? And when you're unpacking the dishwasher? And when you're feeding your sons and daughters, your children at home? And you're coming in from a hard day of work, whether you're a mom or a dad. And, um, and the family life is there waiting for you. And somehow you have to find renewed energy. To be present. It's, all it's with like saints, um, you know, Saint Maytag and Saint Kenmore. Yes. <laughs> Some of these great well, lesser-known saints. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. But you know, but God uses us, and, and that's the goal. You know, how 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 do we connect the altar table in church to the table at home? You know, where we gather. You know, in church we gather and we we retell the story. We hear the stories from the Bible. At home we tell stories too. At, at church, we celebrate the Eucharist at the table of the Lord. At home, you know, our, our meal tables cannot be places of World War III. Right. Right? They're right. both That's, radically mm-hmm. connected. And then how do we then take, take it out into the world? We have to take all of this. You know, if it's just, it's not good enough to pat ourselves on the back to say, isn't this great? We're happy Catholic Christians. Right. We got to go out into the world. You know, that's what Pope Francis is telling all of us, and he's engaging both Catholics and other Christians and non-believers. Too. And really, that's the key to evangelization: is not to like have some really fancy words and some neat documents and some things, and have your Bible handy to to prove some theology or some doctrine. 
you had to, to live a, how, a life of joy and to, to attract others and have them go, I like this. There's something. This guy's got something. Right. His recent exhortation is called The Joy of the Gospel. And um, not that the other Holy Fathers haven't been speaking about this, but he's really kind of he's putting an exclamation mark on top of it, saying, you know what? The gospel has to be joyful. Are there difficulties in the world? He's not saying be happy all the time. He's saying that there has to be an interior joy. And the Stations mm-hmm. of the Cross point to that same reality. You know, how can the gospel be joyful? And um, yes, there's pain in the world. There's pain in people's lives. Um, there's war. There's terrorism. There's violence. But you can still you can still have mm-hmm. all of that and still have joy. And that's right. right. That's the important yeah. thing because happiness is not the same thing as joy. Happy no, is, no. Happiness is temporal and it's yeah. short lived. Right. Right. There, there, there is. I'm not going to name the company, but there's a company that in their advertisement. Um, says, just do it. Yeah. But really, the Christian journey is not just do it. The Christian journey is do it just. And there's a big difference there. Yes, there is. There's exactly. a big difference. And it's about the joy of the gospel. Yeah, that company's lawyers are going to call you now. Yeah, that's okay. I didn't name them. I didn't name them. And plus, if they sue me, they won't get much. I'm going to think about poverty. There you go. But it is. It's true. It's about... Absolutely right. Now, we have more to talk about the Stations of the Cross and, and all things Catholic in terms of uh, suffering and that looking forward to the resurrection uh, right after we return after a short break. Before we do that, I want to remind folks at home we have a great website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And with that, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. In the 2,000-year history of the Catholic Church, there has been no greater evangelist than St. Paul. Born as Saul in Tarsus, Paul was very well educated and his family possessed the coveted Roman citizenship. As a devout Jew, Paul studied the Torah under the famous scholar Rabbi Gamaliel. Concerned about the claims of Jewish followers of Jesus of Nazareth, that Jesus was risen from the dead and the Messiah long promised by the Scriptures, Paul began working with his temple authorities to persecute the Christians. He was present during the stoning of St. Stephen, one of the first deacons and martyrs of the church, holding the cloaks of those casting stones. Paul obtained letters from the high priest authorizing him to arrest Christians and bring them forcibly back to Jerusalem for trial. On the road to Damascus, on mission to stamp out the Christians, Paul was struck blind and thrown off his horse. Jesus appeared to him, lamenting, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? After three days in Damascus, he recovered his sight and was baptized a Christian. Then he spent three years preaching throughout Arabia. Paul then headed to Jerusalem to meet with Peter, the leader of the apostles, with whom he spent 15 days in Jerusalem. At that time in the early church, There was much debate as to whether followers of Jesus had to be first Jewish and follow all the Mosaic law. Paul was an advocate for the position that Jesus was the Messiah not just for the Jewish people, but for the entire Gentile world, and that a new covenant was formed by God through Christ, freeing Christians from the ceremonial obligations of the Jewish law. After much discussion in Jerusalem, St. Peter received a sign from God that Paul's views were correct. Paul was then commissioned by the early church to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Paul's preaching and missionary journeys are well known. 
He worked tirelessly to preach and establish churches throughout the Greek-speaking world. His letters written to these churches are preserved today and make up the first books written of the New Testament. Paul attributed his own success in preaching to his determination that he would preach no message but Christ crucified. Ultimately, Paul was arrested and transported to Rome, where, by order of the emperor, he was beheaded. His feast day is celebrated by the Universal Church on June 29th. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this has been another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth. Actually, it's really a humble corner booth, isn't it? It's, a, it's more humble. <laughs> we say luxurious, but it's Naga Hyde, and you know, it's just not a not a beautiful thing. There's some holes in the seats, but uh, the view here in Lourdes, France. I mean, we're looking out over the hills, and we can see the domain is right right around the corner, and how beautiful it is here in Lourdes. So, in that sense, it's a luxurious Absolutely. view, uh, such a beautiful thing. And we are talking to Father Dave Karen, who is uh, the president of Aquinas Institute of Theology in St. Louis, Missouri, and we're talking about the Stations of the Cross. We're talking about suffering. We're talking about living a life, uh, just trying to make sense of things and also keep our eyes on the prize, right? To see what St. Paul told us we're running for, when to win that crown. Exactly. So uh, while we're here in Lourdes, I wonder if we should, we we should probably just bring up the topic of the Blessed Mother and how important it is to have a mother while we're suffering. Right, right. And then Jesus meets his mom on the way to his death on Good Friday in Calvary. And so, um, you know, we oftentimes forget that Jesus comes from a human family and the DNA that Jesus Mm -hmm. has is human DNA. Um, And as a result of that, everything that he has that's human comes from Mary. And so it would make sense that any mom, any mother, would want to um, be there in the suffering of her son whether it w- or daughter, whether the, child, the person was a child or an adult. And so in this situation, it's sort of as Jesus is in his 33rd year, um, Mary is there with him as she hears him preaching, as she hears others teach, uh, talk about his teaching and his preaching. And so she's with him right to the end. And as a result of that, um, you know, she's with us, too. We, you know, Mary, as you know, in the Catholic tradition, holds a very p- sacred place in Catholic tradition. Um, and so she journeys with us. And Mary never points to her, herself. That's the interesting thing. And, you know, a, a lot of our uh, Christian brothers and sisters that are not of our tradition often don't understand this. They think maybe perhaps we idolize Mary. We name her as the fourth person of the Trinity or something. And that's a mistake. That'd be a quadrinity. I'm not sure what that is. But, but anyhow, we, we, she's not God, but she holds a sacred place and she's really a vehicle. She's really, um, uh, she provides access to the holy for us. And here in Lourdes, in a very special way, you know, she appears to Bernadette. And so it's really appropriate that when we pray the Stations of the Cross, this very Christian devotion that's based on the scriptures, that Mary's part of the picture. She's there. She's there in the human suffering of her son, and he meets her. Um, as he meets her throughout the scriptures. And, um, and, but Jesus says, you know, as we know from the scripture, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, r- really, you all, all of God's people, you're the ones, when you're living the will of God, you're the most important. And so we look to Mary as an example. She models Christian living for us. 
And, um, and she's with us to the very end. That's why at the end of our day in the Christian tradition, we, our last prayer of the day is always through Mary. Right. Is always right. through Mary. She, you know, because she's with us supposedly at the hour of our death. And she, she, she escorts us. Um, in theological language, we call this eschatological living. She right. brings us um, to meet her son Jesus. And we think of uh, Pope John Paul. Saying that uh, his motto, I think, was to Jesus through Mary. Absolutely. So we're never praying to Mary. We're praying through Mary to Jesus because obviously mm. Jesus as God is part of the Trinity. So, yes, yeah, so Mary is extremely important. And so Mary appears to Bernadette here. And as we know, Bernadette was suffering with lots of things. She was suffering with illness. She was suffering um, with her lack of education. She was suffering as many people were in poverty. Poverty, right. And so there's lots of ways of suffering. A lot of times we we kind of um, narrow suffering down to medical suffering. Suffering happens in a lot of ways. And so that's why the Stations of the Cross really can fit anybody's experience. Because all of us are wounded healers, right? And so this Stations of the Cross allows us to touch that in some way. And so, and so Mary's there with us in all that experience. It's good to have a mama. You know, it's, it's very natural. You know, we, when we're growing up, when we uh, stub our toe or we get a scratch or whatever, or some bully picks on us, mama's there to wrap us in her, in her arms. Right. And she's still there for us. Right. And some of my, my um, minister friends and some of my, my other Christian friends say, well, do you have to pray through Mary. No, we don't. We have direct access to Jesus. We don't have to, but it's one more voice that intercedes for us. Right. And so that's a great thing when you can have voices that intercede for you. So now, no son is going to deny his mother's wishes, too. So there's something yes, about having Mary uh, as an advocate. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, it's been interesting here because, you know, I get the opportunity and it's a graced place to be to touch into people's stories as they finish the Stations of the Cross or some of the other devotions. And it's amazing how people's lives are changed when they they get this opportunity to sort of step out of their routine and they get to really think about it. And one lady just said to me today in our session, she said, I never thought about connecting my suffering to Jesus' suffering. She said, she goes, I know he suffered, but I kind of, I'm so focused on myself Mm. that I forget that he suffered too. And is there a way... She said that I can connect my suffering to his and to realize that it didn't always go well for him, you know, and that um, that really, even though he was God, he was also fully human. And so on that cross, he was feeling the pain that we feel. He was feeling the pain of execution. He was feeling the loneliness that I feel, um, when, you know, when I come back and, and maybe, um, you know, the prognosis is not good. Right. Or maybe, as one person said, too, you know, my spouse lost his job. You know, there's suffering that happens with that. There's lots of ways of understanding suffering. And Mary knows those experiences, and she helps us connect it to the suffering of Jesus. How beautiful. And so you've had experiences where people have told you that, that just this simple understanding of connecting their suffering, it really is transformative. Right. You know, Jesus falls three times. As we look at these scriptural-based stories from the Bible and from the tradition, you know, Jesus falls three times. And, and you know, some of the group said, geez, I know what that's like to fall. I know what that's like to think mm-hmm. you're going into the doctor and you think you feel really well, but you find out that the disease has progressed. And to physically fall. Some of the folks have difficulty walking. They have all kinds of ailments. Right. 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 And also... Maybe to fall also means giving up your independence. Right. I can't drive the car anymore. 
You know, I can't, I always have to have somebody accompany me. Or I have to give up my house and move into independent living. And then maybe move into another level of, of care. I mean, there's lots of ways of falling. But then the question is, the community also picks us up. You know, whether that's family community or church community. Um, those you worship with, how do we pick each other up? And that's, that, again, back to the Order of Malta, and that's exactly yes. what the, the knights and dames, the volunteers, uh, the folks that are coming here to Lourdes, that's, they're experiencing this opportunity to be Christ to others, Absolutely. to see Christ in others, and then to experience Christ mm-hmm. for themselves in, in that process. Because those people who are essentially ministering to others, they're being ministered to just as much. We, one of the things that's been said so many times is that those who come here and we're sort of the able-bodied, right. we get so much more than we give. People yeah. really, I mean, we're, we're, we're allowed to minister to them, but really they minister more to us than we can even put words to. But the goal also is, I mean, we're, in one sense we're lucky. We fly across the Atlantic, we go to France, we go to a place where our ladies appear to Bernadette, but the goal is to go home. And how do we experience this back home? And, it, and we should be experiencing Yeah, what can we do? Now, see, a lot of people think, well, I don't know the stations. I don't have them memorized, or I don't really want to go into the church and sit there and stand there and look at these stations. What are some practical ways in which you can experience the stations of the cross outside of specifically standing in a church looking at uh, images? Sure, some places have stations of the cross which are outside. Right. You know, some retreat houses have them outside. But another way is maybe what you do is you take the scriptures. And then you pick the gospel that you want to, and you look at the last hours of Jesus's life. So you really kind of turn to the end of the gospel stories. And then you basically take those, sit on your back porch or sit out on your patio and read those and stop and think about, you know, you break it up for yourself any way you want and just realize, you know, where you're, where you are in connection with Jesus's story and your own suffering. Now I've had some people tell me, um, even some, uh, some of my, uh, Protestant friends tell me how they experienced all of the stations of the cross in the passion of the Christ, that, that movie that has been recently out and how powerful that is to experience. And that's another form of the stations of the cross, isn't it? Absolutely. It's a real visual that comes because oftentimes some people learn from reading words from a page. Some people learn because they're visual learners. So to have that that movie and other movies, because there's been others, that really kind of lead you through the stations of the cross, but visually. And so, uh, again, again, I agree with you. Some of my uh, Protestant, you know, brothers and sisters, friends said to me, that really was a great experience for me. And it led me into understanding the passion that the way Catholics have understood it for a long time in the Stations of the Cross. So, in a sense of, we, we have the scriptures together as Christian people. Um, we have the scriptures that we can look to and, and, to and to do this ourselves. How beautiful. Father Dave, thank you so much for spending some time with us here to talk about the Stations of the Cross, to be here in Lourdes, and what a beautiful thing. And I hope that you'll continue to have a beautiful pilgrimage here as we will continue to do so. And we thank you for coming by the the Catholic Cafe's luxurious corner booth. Thank you. And and you know what? It's great that we're in a cafe because I really think we should call this place Holy Grounds. Holy (laughs) Holy Grounds. (laughs) We will consider that. We will consider that. How beautiful. I'll tell you what, since we are in Lourdes, let's ask Our Lady. Uh, to be with us, and we'll pray a simple Hail Mary, just like we would maybe at the end of the day, sure. to ask for her intercession. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. 
If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.